0: What we're going to do, we're just going to have a little look at the Bible. There's some interesting words that I think that Jesus said that tie in with what we're doing today. um, What the Gregories are doing, um, kind of what we've all gathered for. And so I just want to explain them. It's not particularly deep, but I do think it's incredibly meaningful. Um, In the Bible, in John 14, verse 6, um, Jesus said, and he was speaking to his disciples, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is Jesus talking about himself. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. But from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. The disciples, just before Jesus was saying this, were asking Jesus, like, can you show us what God looks like? Can you show us the Father? And He are saying, actually, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And if you want to know what God looks like, He's kind of saying, ta-da, I'm him, I'm, I'm God, I, I'm God made flesh. This is the very thing that at Easter, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday that we celebrate is that, that Jesus was crucified on a cross because he claimed to be God. That was the very thing they, they basically nailed him for. They literally nailed him for. That he said that he was one with God. It was blasphemy." And so we, what we're going to do, we're going to pick apart these three things that he says. I'm the way, is the first one. I'm the truth, is the second one. And I'm the life, is the third one. Um, I don't know about you, what your sense of direction is like. All of you found here, so you did very well, well done. Um, but I've, I've got a terrible sense of direction. Um, there was a, a time when I went away with my family. We went on a bit of a walk with our dog. We were quite like going to, we've got like a little dog. We got him from a rescue home and we love going on walks as a family and we went to a country park just outside of Canterbury and we were walking around this country park it was freezing cold and we were walking around it for about 20 minutes half an hour and and then we were like miles from where the car was and it was all getting a bit cold I was getting a bit grumpy and miserable I think I was a bit hangry you know hungry and angry both at the same time and I, I said to the family I know which way it is to go back it's this way and they were going, um, and then my wife was like, no, 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 it's definitely not that way. You've got a terrible sense of direction. Whenever we're on holiday or anywhere else, and you say it's that way, it's not that way. It's actually this way. And we had a massive like, debate and an argument about which way it was. Um, and so I was like, well, I know that it's this way, but just to prove you wrong, we'll go your way instead. And so we went that way. And then um, amazingly, and I swear we walked through some sort of portal or something, because we, we, we arrived at the car... Uh, whereas if we'd have gone my way, we would have just got lost in the deepest, darkest parts of Canterbury forests or whatever it was. Um, I've got a terrible sense of direction. Whenever, I, whenever we go on holiday, um, I'm, I'm one of these people, you know, like, have, have you ever been to, say, Cornwall? Put your hands up if you've been to Cornwall on holiday. Uh, a few of you have, maybe a few of you just not put your hands up. Um, but if you've ever been somewhere on holiday and you say, oh, I'm going to Cornwall, someone that's been there before will probably say, oh, what way are you going? Are you going down the A13 and the M3 and the this and and that? I always, like, I just glaze over. I have no sense of which roads go to where. Uh, I know the M25 goes around London very, very slowly. But other than that, I don't really have much of a sense of direction. Um, and so I, I, I very much depend not on my own sense of direction, but on the sense of direction of something that is beyond myself. Um, I'm dependent on it, and that's a sat-nav. Um, I don't know about you, but I can't go anywhere without a satnav. And so when I'm driving on motorways, it's very easy to get lost... Um, but I depend on things like Waze and Google Maps or Apple Maps and all these sorts of things. Which one do you choose? Some take you, like, on the longest route, it seems. You sort of end up going kind of through lanes and all sorts of different ways. You think, I swear I'm in the middle of nowhere. If we break down now, I think I'm just going to be left here for dead. I have no way of finding my way to where we're trying to get. And I think all of us, kind of deep down... They're, we're hardwired. We don't really know which way we're going. We've got a, a pretty good sense of where we're going. And I'm talking more kind of philosophically about life. We've all got a rough idea of the way we're going, the direction we're going. But where is that direction actually taking us? We're born, we breathe, we live. If we're lucky, we love. We maybe meet someone. We might have the blessing of children if we're lucky we probably go through some horrific situations and circumstances, I'm sure, in this room. We've probably all gone through several of those. Uh, and then when, I don't know, 70, 80 years, if we're lucky, at the end of it, we'll breathe our very last breath, then what? That, that is a huge kind of question of first importance, I think. For me, it is. Like I, I had a time in my early 20s where I was racking my brain with this question, I I was deep into doing drugs, alcohol, I hated myself, I was sleeping around a lot, thought I was living the life, but inside I was shriveled up, I looked in the mirror, and I didn't really, I was trying to play to the, sort of dance to the beat of someone else's drum, because I thought it's what people liked, like my friends and stuff like that, but inside I, I hated who I was, kind of, I guess I was depressed, I was suicidal for sure, and I looked in the mirror, and I was like, what is this all about? Surely there is more to life than this. Surely. It can't just be about, you know, all this stuff, like, work really hard, get an iPhone, get a car, and, th- and then what? At the end of those days, when the last breath goes, and all that stuff's gone and forgotten, what's left? Or is that, is it, is it just like turning the telly off, like, you know, the screen goes blank and poof, and it was meaningless. It didn't count for anything. I'm like, surely there's more to that. All my my hopes, my fears, my passions, the things that that I get excited about and I love about. Why is it that we can stand at the top of a mountain and see something so beautiful and it takes our breath away, but yet we see a child who's been abused and it, it cripples us with anger? There's something in us that's able to celebrate the good stuff of life and something in us that really reacts when we see injustice and poverty and torture, all those sorts of things. There's something in us that's intrinsically good and wants to celebrate that which is intrinsically good. And there's something in us that has a real aversion to that. And that's true over most societies. All of, regardless of what we believe, regardless of religion, there's this innate thing within all of us about the right way and the wrong way. We might call it morality. Is it a social construct? Is it something that's hardwired within us? I think it's actually that we're made in the image of God. It's what the Bible tells us. We're made in the image of God, and he is a moral God. He says in his word that some things are good and some things are bad. Some things are good for our relationships together, but I think this is great. We've all got together. We're celebrating this family. We're loving them. We're honouring them. This is a good thing for us to do. Now, what if we all started shouting abuse and throwing things at them? I'm not suggesting we do that. (laughs) Not for the sightseeing. But that would we would also that's a terrible idea, Gordon. That's not a good we're not going to do that. You'd probably push back on that. I hope you would. Because we know that it's wrong. And so God in some way is a moral God, but He's not detached from us in that He's just expecting this incredibly high standard from us. And so I would suggest that not all roads lead to Rome. Like when we were in that forest and I'm saying this way back to the car and my family is saying, No, no, Dad, you're wrong this way back to the car if we'd have just kept going in my direction we would have got lost would we not? all roads do not lead to the same destination if you're in Birmingham in the centre of the country and you go north you're not going to get to London you're going to get to Glasgow and if you go south you're going to get to London you're not going to get to Glasgow there is a, there is like a, a sense of my, you know you can't just keep going the wrong way in a blind hope that it's going to get you to the right destination are we ok with that? Okay, okay, that, that's, that's just like plain thinking. And so in Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, train a child in the way they should go, in the way, the direction they should go, because when they're older, they won't stray. So for any of you that are parents, you, you will know the huge responsibility of the things you let go and you let your children do, and fully grown when they're an adult, kind of what that might look like, you know, if, if you let your child run around the, the playground pushing people over, kicking dirt in their face, you know, that, that's probably not going to be a pretty image when they're in their 30s. Is it not? You happy with that? And so we, 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 we know this responsibility of training a child in the way they should go, because when they're older, it's kind of hardwired in them. We have this responsibility to kind of draw out that goodness and encourage it, and then the stuff that's maybe a little bit wayward, like, I, I, I would... Hazard to argue, and I'm, I expect a bit of heckling. Children are not born intrinsically perfect. They look perfect. But it's not long till they're screaming and shouting and keeping you up all night and you don't get any sleep. And then when they're able to run around at toddlers, you don't have to teach them to do naughty things. You know, they're going to get a jam sandwich and try and jam it in the DVD player, they're going to try and do all sorts of things. They don't know that it's good or it's wrong, but we need to try and help them. You know, they're going to push each other over. And, you know, we, we have a, you have a lot of that with children, don't you? As they grow up, they all this kind of... You can't fight in the playground with your friends. You can't answer back to a teacher. We're training them in the way they should go. So when they're older, they won't depart from it. And so Jesus says that he is the way. He says this elsewhere in the Bible. He says, enter through the narrow gate. So if there's a road, imagine there's an imaginary road and there's a narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. So there are two roads. One is a huge road that everyone's travelling down without really having any idea that where it's going to is destruction. But there's this other road that's very narrow. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And so Jesus was saying kind of metaphorically that there is, we're all going in a particular direction. And the bulk of people are actually headed down a very broad road, leading one another to destruction. I'm not saying that because it's a popular thing to say. I'm just repeating what he says in the Bible. And he says, actually, I am away. Jesus points to himself, not me, but he points to himself and says, I am away And it's a very narrow way and very few find it. But this way isn't going to lead to destruction. It's going to lead to life. So like I was going in one direction and it was not leading to the car. And then the other direction led to the car. Jesus is saying you can go in one way and it's going to lead you to an eternity apart from God. Separated. It looks like destruction. And the other way is going to lead you into a relationship with God. This is what Adam and Lizzie have found in their life. They have found a way in Jesus, not just the road that's impersonal, but in Jesus as a person, in following him, literally following his way, that has brought life and wholeness to their family. And their one prayer is that their daughters would enjoy that life as well. And they're going to try and train and instruct in a really positive way, not in a controlling way, their girls to try and find that way themselves when they're older. That they'll have their own choice maybe in their teens or twenties, where they're going to need to make a decision. Actually, you know what, all that stuff, mum and dad, you taught us about God, it's not for us. And they've got that liberty to go their own way. Or they've got that liberty to say, you know what, mum and dad, you've shown us something that's so precious that many people don't find. It's a narrow way and it's Jesus. And as we go that way, we've found in our family as we've grown up, it leads to life. That's such a precious thing. And it's what these guys believe and many others of us who are in this room. Another thing Jesus said is that he is the truth. So he said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and the life. Jesus says that the truth will set you free. If you know the truth, it will set you free. And so I'm not going to get you talking about on the table, so it might lead to a riot. But what, what do you think about the upcoming elections? 12th of December or something like that, isn't it? We, we do postal voting. Um, so we've just had it come through, my wife and I are talking about right. who are these candidates, we don't even know them. we know the ones that we see on the telly that are kind of behind the ones that we were voting for we don't really know what they stand for should we be voting for local issues to do with our local or should we be voting on the big issue of Brexit because if we vote for those guys we won't get it and if we vote for that one we will and what about the local issues that these guys don't represent so complex isn't it All these things that we're probably all, if you're of a voting age, we're all having to wrestle with. There's a quote, I don't know where it comes from, but there there are lies, there are damn lies, and there are statistics. And when we talk about politics, I'm not going to say when we talk about politicians, there very well may be some politicians in our presence, and we don't want to upset them. But there are lies, there are damn lies, and there are statistics. There are elections, both in this country and in other countries, that can be won on lies, damn lies, and statistics, on fake news, on propaganda that's gone out on Facebook. The truth, in our kind of postmodern age, is all very relative. You have your truth, I have my truth, but there are some leaders of countries who, on one level, can say one thing, and then in another in another setting, they'll say that they never said it. They said, "I never said that," even though there's video footage of them. Sort of saying that stuff. What is the truth? The truth is kind of what we make of it. Should we be voting based on Brexit? Or on what's going to happen with the NHS? Or what's going to happen with the ecology? Like we live in a planet that's sort of falling apart. There's all these different things. And to some of us, that, that one thing, like the NHS may be the truth above all truths. Or it might be actually I want to really fight for our planet. It's going bad and soon we're not going to have a planet left. So I'm going to vote on that basis. And so we've all got different truths, different things vying for our attention. And it's hard to know who to trust because of these lies, damn lies, and statistics. Who do we place our trust in? Are any of them trustworthy? We place our trust in men and women and eventually we get let down. There's a scandal. Surely Tiger Woods, when he was such a hero playing golf, and then you find out he's had like a hundred different affairs. I would never have thought it. he looked like Mr. Squeaky Clean. I know this is a few years ago. Probably don't even know who Tiger Woods is. He was a golfer. But we put our hopes in people, sometimes even in our family. We let one another down, don't we? We we make mistakes. We're all human. None of us are perfect. And so it's hard to know who can we trust. We need to look for people who are trustworthy. We even see it in the news. Well, we live in an age of misinformation. One minute they're saying, oh, it's fine, give your children... Well, this was years ago in the 80s. Sugar's not a problem, give your children loads of sugar it's fine it's good for them it wakes them up now like we see this and I don't think anyone actually ever did say that but just to prove the point like we, we now see that sugar is actually causing our bodies all sorts of problems there's a big push towards veganism at the moment because we're finding that actually maybe meat and the protein in it isn't the best way of getting protein there's so much like who do I believe like if I look at Scientific reports from 20 years ago, I think that meat's good. Now I'm thinking, oh, hang on a minute, it's bad, and it's bad for the ecology. There's all these different things. The truth is constantly being rewired, and we're finding out things that were true one day are now not true now. It's so confusing. And Jesus says, you can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. So truth isn't something written in a book for us to know. Truth is a person embodied for us to know. Actually, in, in John 8, Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That word know, it's a bit of a strange way of saying you will know. But it's the same way of knowing that a husband and a wife will know one another after they've been married. I don't, probably don't need to say anymore. It's how children are made. You, if Adam's still got that question. That's how it happened. You will know truth in such a way so intimately that it's part of you. It's not just in your head, like you've done some academic study, you've read a few books, but you will know truth as in like two people becoming one person. And Jesus is actually truth. So you will know Jesus, not intimately in that way, that would be very weird, but you'll know Jesus in such a way that it's like he's in you, he's through you, you know what the truth is. You can know truth intrinsically on a physical and an emotional level. So it's not just something we have to go to people to tell us what to believe, but actually we go to Jesus and we can know him through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the devil, so Jesus is like the king of all truth, and it calls the devil a liar. He's a deceiver. And it's his job to lead us all down a very wide path that leads to our destruction, that takes us away from God. But that Jesus, he is the narrow way and he's trying to lead us into all truth. And we get to choose which way we go, which way we follow. The path to destruction, the path away from the car, or the path back home into God's presence. When Jesus was crucified, just before that, Jesus was put before like the Roman ruler in, in Judea. His name was Pilate. And he asked Jesus lots of questions, and he said, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. And he was going to release him. He said, you can either have this insurgent criminal called Barabbas released, who was kind of trying to take down the Romans, or you can have Jesus released. And All the people just said, we want Barabbas, give us Barabbas. And so Jesus, even though they could find no fault in him, he was crucified on the cross. And as we read the Old Testament and we read in the Bible, Jesus was crucified. He was like the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. We sang that this morning. Everything we've ever done wrong, everything we've ever thought, everything that's ever been done to us, literally on Jesus' shoulder and went to the grave. And then three days after that, Jesus rose again in resurrection life. The resurrection in the Christian faith is so key. Because without Jesus coming back to life, we're just worshipping some guy that died 2,000 years ago. But if Jesus did come back to life, I don't know about you, if someone came back to life and you saw him walking around, I'd want to ask him a few questions, wouldn't you? There's something a bit, I've seen lots of people that have died. I've I've done a few funerals. They don't do a lot of talking afterwards. When my sister passed away, she she didn't do a lot of talking afterwards. But Jesus came back to life He's got some things to say about life and about death, about where the road leads to after we breathe that final breath. These are words that are really worth listening to. Interestingly, Jesus is different than many other religious leaders because he's the only one who came back from the dead. The only one. So I'm very interested in his words. Before I was a Christian, when I was in my 20s, I was like, I'm going to have to look at some of these claims because I need to know what it's all about because at the moment, I don't think it's about much and I'd really like, like to just end it because I'm not enjoying it. It's not a lot of fun. And then I'm, I found Jesus. or more, Jesus found me and drew me out and showed me who he was and I found life. And my life's very different now. I couldn't even leave myself. It's crazy. And so the last thing, just to wrap up, Jesus said that he is the way The truth. And then the last word is life. And so I don't know about you what your experience of life is. You might have been on this planet for 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, maybe just a few. But life is a bit difficult. It's tough. We've we've got an allotment that we got. We moved to Sittingbourne about 18 months ago to start this church. And we got an allotment. It took about six months. We've had an allotment since December. Um, Anyone else got an allotment like growing things? or growing things at home, even if not an allotment, few people. Um, I've been to the allotment, I think twice in all the time we've had it. My family have been there lots and lots of times. I'm not very good at growing things. I'm not very good at tending to the soil. I've got, like, not green fingers, but black th- fingers. <laughs> Everything that I touch seems to die. Um, thankfully, not my family. But all of the things that we're growing and we're trying to produce to, um, to eat, just, it doesn't work. I have no interest in it, really. But one of the things that I've found is that actually, if you've got a plant and it's got something wrong with it, what is wrong with the plant is gonna actually be wrong with the fruit. You okay with that? So if you've got a good apple tree, it's gonna produce good apples. If you've got an apple tree that's not that good, it's maybe in bad soil, actually what's in that soil through that tree is gonna produce bad apples. They're not gonna taste that good. They're not gonna be that nice. And Jesus talks about our life being a bit like that. A good tree can only produce good fruit and a bad tree can only really produce bad fruit. And Jesus says that when we plant ourselves into his soil, that we will find life and life abundant. When we've got Jesus, his Holy Spirit in us, not because we've been good moral people, not because we've led a good life. Like, I want you to think of like who's the worst person in the world you can think of. Hopefully it's not me. <laughs> Could I dunno who, it could be like shout a few out. Hitler. Hitler. It's always Hitler. 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 Stalin. 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 No one's shouting out like My (laughs) old teacher. Yeah. No one's saying my husband or anything like that. That's good. But you might put them right at the bottom of the rung, yeah? The worst person Who's the best person you can think of? Best human being you can think of? Jesus. Jesus, yeah, it's always the right answer, yeah. Very good. Gordon! Gordon, Yeah, yeah, thanks mate. Um but I don't know who it might be. It might be that, that teacher that really made a difference in your life. It might be your parents. You might put your parents down near the, the bottom if you didn't have a great relationship with them. But if there was a moral standard on that list that made you good enough to get to heaven, where would you put it? How high up? What, what's the criteria for being good enough? If there is some sort of ethereal existence beyond your last breath and you need to be a good person to get there... And there's someone at the, at the gates, you know, sort of, there's a criteria, right, just looking down the list, I'm sorry, you've not quite made the grade. You're just not good enough. What, what's that criteria? Who gets to decide that criteria? Is there even a criteria or is there nothing? Or do, do we just all actually, we get their hitters there, he's having a ball game. You know, it's great. So, so is there a reward for a good life? And maybe an exclusion for a bad life. I don't know. I tend to, I, 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 I like to think maybe there is. But then what would the standard be? What's the moral standard and who gets to decide that? And so Jesus, dying on the cross, has actually said that the standard is me. And it's believing in me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. This is what he said in the rest of it. No one gets to the Father except through me. So Jesus says it's not about being a good moral person. It's not about giving lots of money to charity, although that's a very good and a noble thing to do. It's not about trying to um, be better than your neighbours and looking down on others, trying to be a prideful person or someone that actually thinks too low of themselves. I'm just worthless. Actually, the very thing that makes us acceptable before God isn't our own standard of how good or bad we are, but it's actually Jesus as the perfect standard, the one without fault, the one without blemish, the one that they crucified, even though he lived a perfect life for us so that we could find that road, not to destruction, but the narrow way back to God. You don't need to earn it. You don't need to try and work hard for it. You can't buy it. It's free. Completely and utterly free. It's scandalous. If I said I've got a bag full of iPhone 11 Pro Maxes here, and they are free, I, I reckon, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, you would be running up here, ransacking my bag, saying, yes, this is the best gift ever. This is amazing. And this Christian message is far more amazing than that. Far more amazing. That our souls can know peace with God And it's not based on our performance. That is grace. That Jesus laid his life down for us. So that we might know true forgiveness with God. And I heard that message in my 20s. I was suicidal. I I tried to hang myself. It wasn't a pretty time in my life. And I thought, what else am I going to try? I I met a Christian. I prayed a, a weird prayer to a God I didn't quite believe in. And I thought, well, I put my hope in all sorts of other things. Relationships. Drugs trying to earn money, all different things. And all of it left me feeling like it promised everything and it delivered nothing. And I thought, well, I'd give it a go. I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. Like all those other crazy people, I thought they were all nuts. And then I found life. I found truth. I found the way. And that's what the Gregories have found and that's their prayer for their daughters is that they too would find life and truth. The way in Jesus. And so I'm just going to pray a prayer very quickly. But what I want to do is just before I say that, and I just want you to close your eyes for a second, if you feel comfortable, you don't need to, if you don't want to. But I just want, to, I just want you to think, like, what direction am I heading in? Not just like today, as in like, after this I'm going to the community centre, not, yeah, not the village hall. But what direction is my life heading in? Actually, where, where is this all culminating? What is the end destination? What is the truth that I have placed all of my hope in for my life? What am I building my life on? What is that truth? And is it proven that it's not going to falter or foul and be untrue in a generation? And does it lead me to life? And not just life now in that I've got everything that I want and I've got some happiness, but actually that it's going to carry me through into all eternity in the presence of God. Those are big questions, questions we're not often faced with in the day-to-day, and I hope you don't mind me just banging the drum and encouraging you to think about those things. I'm just going to pray very quickly. It's a prayer you might want to pray after me. Feel complete liberty too. Uh, it's very quick, so I'll just say each sentence one after another. If you want to repeat it, repeat it. If not, just let this moment pass. Jesus, I thank you that you are the way. I thank you that you are the truth and I thank you that you are the life. I've been going in a different direction. I've been building my life on something that maybe isn't true and I'm not sure I'm actually living life. Lord, I turn away from that and I give my life to you knowing that you are trustworthy and you're not going to fail me. So I receive your Holy Spirit as a pure gift of grace so that you can live in me and make me acceptable to God. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I put my trust in you. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, congratulations. I'd love to speak to you afterwards, just explain to you what that means. Uh, But what we're going to do now is, without me carrying on for any longer, we're just going to sing one more song just to kind of wrap things up. Adam, do you want to come up with Neil? Feel free to stand. And then we'll wrap it all up at the end and just let you know kind of what's going on after this. Is that all right? Brilliant. Thank you for listening, guys.